Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey listeners, if you find value in this podcast and would like to support this project, please consider signing up on Patreon where you can support the show on a monthly basis in exchange for some extra content and behind-the-scenes updates. Just check out the link in the description or go to patreon.com forward slash podcast. I would love to see you there. And now, on with the show. Here's what's coming up next on the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. So our plan was we're going to buy the boat, maybe spend a month or two doing minor repairs, and then we're moving aboard and we're going. And it just that just turned out into just exploding in completely like that. That plan just completely fell apart. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Annika. On the Liverboard Sailing podcast, I chat with awesome people who live, work and travel on their sailboats. My guests share inspiring stories and real life advice about the lifestyle so that you and I can be better prepared for our sailing adventures. This week's episode is part cautionary tale and part inspiring story about truly working hard to make the sailing dream happen and not giving up. I'm sure there are many people out there who are planning to buy a boat that requires just a little bit of work, but that's it. And that is what my guest David Shi taught as well. He planned to be away from his family for maybe four to six weeks or so, doing a little bit of repair work on his catamaran's bulkheads before the family could join him. However, six weeks turned into six months, and then almost another six months after that. This is quite the entry into the sailing life, and David tells us how it all went down. 
In this episode, we are going to be talking a lot about Broken Ball Kids and related boat projects. But let's start from the beginning. What got you boat shopping and pursuing the liverboard life in the first place? Okay, so we've always, always loved like the idea of living off-grid or in a van or in an RV or on a boat. But boat was just like so far out of like the range of possibility because it's expensive, you know. So um, I'd say about four years ago, we we bought a van, a sprint, uh, not a sprinter, a, a transit van, a Ford Transit. And I converted it with plywood and just built it out on the inside. We spent about, I don't know, like five to 10,000 and slowly built it out. And our dream was to go van life. But we're like terrified of quitting our jobs and cutting the lines completely. So I quit, but Mary, my wife, she kept on working. And we would just take trips like all the time, like any chance we could. Every long weekend uh, during COVID, of course, we took like months. And it was actually during one of these COVID trips where we were on the coast of California. We were in Santa Cruz and just parked on the side of the road. We took, we were there for like a week and we were like, this is amazing. Like, I don't miss anything at home. I don't miss any of our toys, any of our stuff. So let's do this full time. Like we can definitely do this. Let's go home, build out our dream van, a bigger, like a slightly taller one, a slightly longer one. And we will move in. And at the time we had three kids. So it was fine. Like it was so crowded in our little van, but it was fine. So we came home, we started researching vans and I was like, gonna buy a new van. And then of course we had been watching Boat Life videos forever, but that was totally just to live vicariously through, you know, YouTube. And one of the channels that we watched was Parlay Revival. And he's a guy, Colin, that bought this hurricane damaged catamaran and rebuilt like all of it. It was flooded. It, it sunk. I mean, he just cha- built the whole thing out. And he's like sailing the world and living the dream. And Mary's like, this is her famous quote. She was like, why would you want a van life when you can boat life? And I was like, because we don't have money. And anyway, so that long story short, we dug into it. We looked in, like we just looked into our finances and we figured out that if we sold everything we had, And when I say everything, I mean everything. I sold like plates and dishes and like the knobs that go on the end of curtain rods. Like if if I could get $20, if I could post it for $10 to $20, it would be posted. Of course, we sold everything else too, like computers and old laptops and our cars, um, everything. We just sold everything. And then we realized, okay, we could totally do this. I mean, we still can't live a lavish lifestyle on a boat, but we can make it happen. And that's how we kind of stumbled into boat life. Yeah. So your it sounds like your goal was to sort of chase that freedom of not being tied into one place and maybe do a bit of travel and I guess maybe international travel with yeah, boats yeah, or totally. Yeah. So that's still kind of our dream. I think the the holy grail is to have a boat and a van like a fully built out, built out van, a fully built out boat, and then maybe some tiny houses randomly throughout the world. And then you can kind of travel between all these different places, not quickly, but slowly, you know, like spend a year in Panama. I've been in Panama for the past year. What if we had a tiny house there that someone would kind of live in and hang out in or, or rent or whatever, or just sat there. And then when we were in that area, we would stay there in the boat. And then when we change continents altogether, we could ship the van to say Europe or something. So that's the ultimate dream. But yeah, we always wanted, I just love the idea of disconnecting, being able to completely disconnect, be off the grid and be self-reliant. It just feels good. I 
don't really can't really tell you why it feels good because it's really difficult, but it feels good. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I followed the exact same path of like, oh, van life would be really cool. But I don't know about small van, but you know, it would be really cool. Actually, you know what? Tiny houses, super cool and completely illegal in Canada. So (laughs) right now I'm saying like tiny houses, they're my retirement plan and I'll get a tiny house on like a French vineyard or something. But, you know, until then, abodes sounds great. Uh, Yeah, I would love like the identical tiny house, but in different places. So the outside is different, but the inside, like down to like every utensil, towel, like towel rack, shower, like everything's identical. So like when I wake up, in theory, I could be like, wait, where am I? Until I open the window and look outside. Exactly. Oh, that would be perfect. So obviously your plans didn't go quite as you intended. No. So... (laughs) I mean, yeah, tell us about that and we'll dive into this whole thing. You had this great plan and you move on to boat shopping. So, well, first, where did you buy your boat? Okay, so we bought the boat in St. Martin. So, yeah, so a, a little bit back to like the finances. We sold everything, right? And and all of a sudden, after a year, we had enough money. Like it just kind of out of nowhere. It just we had enough money, which is something we never imagined would happen. So then we start boat shopping and we go into contract for some random, just for some boats, but then they ended up getting bought up. And I was looking for the same boat that Colin on Parlay had because I'd been watching him forever. And it, that was just the boat that I knew I had to have. It was either that or the one the Winds had, which they have a leopard. So I was leopard or lagoon. And I totally connected with Colin and just like his just like DIY, like I will power through everything. And I love the Flybridge. So really, that's why we ended up going with the Lagoon 450. Started looking for that boat, um, went into contract for one, but then it was bought. Someone else ended up getting it. Um, Actually, we went backup contract because someone else ended up getting it. And then uh, we found this boat in Martinique, actually. And it was during COVID, so we couldn't go to Martinique. So we made a deal with them that if they brought the boat, and shipped it or had a captain bring it up to St. Martin that we would pay for all the transport fees to and from St. Martin if we didn't buy it. So then that's where we ended up going and seeing this boat and um, surveying it and and looking at it and just like getting on it for the first time. And of course, you were just blown away. It's the perfect dream boat that you've seen on on YouTube and it's right. Yeah, yeah. So this was actually, it was like the yes and no. Okay, because we, I strategically, not strategically, I had to, um, I had to pick the cheapest Lagoon 450. It was literally the cheapest Lagoon 450 on Yacht World on this side of the world. So if you go to like Southeast Asia, you can find some cheaper ones, or maybe even in uh, Greece or Europe, you can find some cheaper ones here and there. But this one was bare bones and on this side of the world. And um, yeah, so we went, we, we went down to see it and it was pretty beat up. But it looked like structurally, it was it looked great. So everything looked fine. It needed a lot of like cosmetic work, which I was fine with. Like a little bit of work, I knew we were going to get into that. And um, I actually, before doing this whole thing, you know, you watch so many videos of people buying a boat and then spending over a year prepping it before they can actually go sailing. And I remember telling Mary, like, we're not doing that. There's no way I'm too impatient. There's no chance I can like wait one year, like buy something and then wait one year before we move aboard. So our plan was we're going to buy the boat, maybe spend a month or two doing minor repairs, and then we're moving aboard and we're going. 
and it just that just turned out into just exploding in completely like that that plane just completely fell apart so we go to st martin look at the boat i'm watching colin's videos from parlay and around this time is when he completely discovered and started tearing apart his boat to find bulkhead issues so bulkheads think of them as the foundation of your boat you have the outside hull but there's a lot of pressures that act on even a monohull but this is a catamaran so these two hulls they want to move independently and they also want to kind of crush in on on themselves just with all the the pressure of the water and the banging around so you have these uh, walls, essentially, these structural walls that go laterally. So they go, if you're looking at the front of the boat from the back, they go left and right all throughout your boat. They're either called stringers or they're called bulkheads, but they help keep the shape of a monohull. And for a catamaran, they keep the hulls in aligned. So the hulls don't move in separate directions, which they're always, always, always trying to do. And the main bulkhead in Colin's boat had completely crumbled and the hulls had started to separate. So if if you imagine like you can hold a catamaran and you're holding the bottom and you're pulling them apart and you're bending that bottom part out. And uh, that's that's what was happening to his hulls. So all the shrouds uh, in the rigging went loose. And that's what I was kind of seeing. And I was like, okay, we're going to make sure that's not happening on this boat. Well, I started looking and looking and looking, and I started seeing signs of it, but I didn't know what I was looking for. But basically, um, at the we, we negotiated a some concessions. We did the survey, got I think ten grand off, and then um, and then I snuck aboard the night before I was going to leave. The boat was like an hour away, so I had to drive all the way to the north side, the French side of Saint Martin. I I went to the marina. There was nobody there, and I snuck aboard the boat and. I had pictures and screenshots from Colin's videos, and I started taking apart the stuff that I could, which like stuff with screws um, that I could remove. And I started looking in and I was like, man, this boat really looks like it has some bulkhead issues. So the next morning, I actually walked away from the boat. So we told the buyer, or I'm sorry, we told the seller, like, we're we're walking away. And they thought it was a complete ploy to, like, negotiate more money because the day before we had already sat down and said, we want this much. If you do this, we will take the boat. And they gave us the full amount. And then it's like I'm coming out of nowhere with more reasons, you know. So, um, yeah, we, we walked away from the boat. And while we were away... She said, the seller said, I will hire a surveyor. I, I, I think you're full of crap is what essentially she said in slightly nicer terms, but not that much nicer. And um, I'm going to hire a bulkhead surveyor just to come out and prove you wrong because you're full of shit. That's, that's what she said. And um, the surveyor that she hired was actually the surveyor that did my surveyed that boat who had said there are absolutely no issues. So I asked this guy throughout the whole day, you know, like, hey, you know, look at these pictures. There's a guy on YouTube um, that has bulkhead issues. And these are some of the signs. And he's like being really nice and cordial in the beginning. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll check it out. It's fine. But by the fifth time I was asking, he was kind of like, dude, listen, it's fine. I've been doing this for 20 years. Boats settle. Doors don't align. And he was kind of treating me like he was super nice about it, but he was kind of like treating me like, hey, little kid, you've never owned a boat. You don't know anything about this. Just let me do my damn job. He was nice about it, though. So I was when I heard that he was going to do the survey, the bulkhead survey, I was like, forget it. Like, there's no way he's not going to come back and say that twelve hundred bucks you just paid me was for not because there were actually completely massive issues that I just missed. So what can I do though? Right. So he goes aboard. I'm in, I'm back in Texas. He goes aboard and he 
tells me like, hey, this I, I call him right before he gets on and I send him a bunch of pictures just to like try to get him to look at certain things. Anyways, he comes off the boat. He calls me and I get the, a call that I never expected. He tells me, I'm so sorry. I owe you a massive apology. You were completely right. There are definitely bulkhead issues. I don't know how bad they are. They don't look that bad, but there are absolutely bulkhead issues and we'd have to take apart the boat to really find them, which was like, oh my, you know, that was just an amazing feeling. And I felt good about walking away completely left. Like we're done with this boat. Like no way. I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to spend a couple of months working on bulkhead issues. And um, through a, a series of other weird events, I met some guy online and he happened to just, we're talking, I was going to go crew for him. And he tells me, oh yeah, I know that boat you were looking at in St. Martin because he was buying a boat in St. Martin. And I'm like, no, you don't know that boat. And he's like, no, I, I know it. I, I've seen it. I was in contract for it. And you know, people are always making stuff up all the time, right? So, or just making conversations. So I was like, whatever. And then he sends me 30 pictures of that boat, like down to the, like all, all different pictures that he took. And I was like, oh my gosh, you do know that boat. And he kind of, he gives me a bunch of background on the boat and how much it was selling for before the whole pandemic started. And it ended up being a lot cheaper. So it kind of gave me the idea. I'm going to go back and just lowball the hell out of this, this seller. And if they take it, it's probably an okay deal for them. And then it's a great deal for me. So I asked for another $35,000 off after we had already negotiated everything. And I, I called my broker and I was like, I told him the story that I just told you. And he's like, oh, okay. He had already spent so much time on this. And uh, he went back and he offered them, he, he, you know, he worded it really well. And he was like, you should take this offer. It gets all these bulkhead issues off your plate and the deal is done. Sign it now. And that lady signed it. The, the seller who's, uh, yeah, the seller signed it. And then we owned the boat and I was super, super happy. And that's, that's how we got the boat. Wow. What a story. So you knew what you were getting into, which is slightly better situation than what I thought had happened. I thought you'd bought it and maybe you didn't know and then found out after. So it's super good that you knew at least a little bit of what you were getting into and what an interesting thing about the surveyor do you go in a second time around he found issues so that's interesting yeah so i definitely knew what i was getting into i knew as much as i could have possibly known then but in hindsight what i knew was maybe five percent of the possibility of what bulkhead issues mean um so really i didn't know i had no idea so we get the boat and then I start taking it apart a little bit more um, without breaking any of the boat, because later on, I destroy the cabins to get it to the bulkheads. But I'm just taking it apart. And that's when I realized, OK, there are some issues that I'm going to have to fix. And I, in my mind, I was thinking $10,000 max to fix these issues. That's why I offered $35,000 less. And then I get it for 10. I, even if I have to spend there could be a chance that my bulkheads were just bent at the time. That's what I was thinking. All I had to do is loosen the rigging and then reinforce a little bit, and then we'd be good. Um, but as I started taking it apart, I realized, okay, this is a slightly bigger job than I knew. I still thought I was going to be able to do it for 10 grand and a month of time. So, um, at, and I was already talking to Colin from Parlay. I, I, I was hunting him down like a bounty hunter. Like when, when we were going through this deal, like I contacted him on Instagram, on Facebook Messenger, on email, on his other email. And I'm just like bombarding him. But with tact, I would wait like a week in between in between the messages. And anyways, so uh, yeah, so the day after I buy it, he messages me back, like the deal is done. He's like, dude, you need to ask for at least $40,000 less. And I was like, too late. I bought it already. I asked for 35 and he's like, okay, well, that's okay. Because he was, he took a little while to respond. 
And um, yeah, so I started tearing apart the boat, looking into it a little bit more. And that's when I realized, okay, I'm going to need some help with this. And I asked Colin, hey, do you mind if I come down to Panama? Because he's docked in Linton Bay in Panama at the time. He was just pulling out of the water to start fixing his bulkheads. And he was like, yeah, sure, I'll save you a spot. So like, this is a guy that I've only emailed with. I, I don't think I even talked to him at the time. Eventually, I think we did talk for like five minutes. And I'm going down there, which I don't think either of us realized what that meant. You know, like when you're on the hard next to someone, it's like it's like having a van and you're like, hey, I just met you on the street. I'm going to move into your driveway for a year and I'm going to see you every single day, like 10 times. And we're going to pass each other. And it's going to be really weird because like we are we are it's like getting married with someone. It's crazy. Right. So anyways, I show up with. <laughs> He helps me, yeah, the, him and Jamie, another guy, one of his crew uh, on Parlay, they help me, you know, tear apart some of the boat. They show me their boat. I start destroying the boat and we decide, okay, we're going to have to haul out and really repair this boat. And um, at that moment, I made a video, my first video that said, you know what, we're going to do this right. We're going to fix this the way that Parlay is fixing it. We're going to stay here for three, maybe four weeks and knock this out. And that was, <laughs> that was Oh my gosh, that was I think eleven months. I mean, eleven. No, it's more now because I've, I've been, we splashed about uh, a month and a half ago. But yeah, it took me eleven months. So what is that like forty-four weeks? It took me eleven times as long as I thought it would have taken. And uh, yeah, that's how I ended up in Panama next to Parlay Revival, and and just yeah, we spent the past year just learning from him, and it turned into so much more than just bulkheads, because. He's showing me how to fix bulkheads, and then I'm making videos because you know I'm seeing him make videos all the time. So then we're doing a YouTube channel, and then I'm trying to like manage the family. So it just becomes this crazy hodgepodge of just craziness, really, this past year. Yeah, it's been a wild year for you. But let's jump ahead a little bit to the story, just to give context a little bit, and and we'll return to your experience. So. What is the deal with these Lagoon 450s and the bulkhead issues? Because as it has turned out, you and not and Colin from Parlay Revival are nowhere near the only ones with these issues. And and what point did you realize this? Like, oh, it's not just you and I, it's a lot of people. Yeah. So naturally, Colin got like this. Ma- Colin's boat was really, really badly broken, but his boat was a hurricane damaged boat. So instantly people think, oh, the hurricane damaged the bulkheads. It kind of makes sense. Uh, but there were a lot of signs in his boat that showed that the bulkheads were broken before the hurricane. There's just repairs that were done well before the hurricane ever happened because he got the boat, you know, with those repairs already done. And um, so then when he saw my boat was broken and around the same time, maybe about a month after I started looking at my, I brought my boat down another guy also by the name of David, he was in Martinique and his boat was broken. So then we started posting, not we, Colin started posting um, his findings on the Lagoon owners groups and also went back to Lagoon for help. And uh, that's when a lot of people started coming out of the woodwork. There was actually a lot of pushback at first from the owners, not even from Lagoon. Initially, Lagoon was extremely helpful. Like, oh, yes, yes, definitely. We'll help you fix it. They put Colin in touch with the designer of the boat, like literally the best person. His name is Vincent Prevost. He's a famous catamaran designer. And uh, he walked Colin through exactly how his recommendation to fix the boat that he designed, right? So exactly where every single weak point was, um, what plywood to use, the fiberglass layup, exactly the whole recipe to essentially rebuilding the boat. 
And that actually ends up being what we, we followed. But at the same time, we're trying to share this information with the other Lagoon owners. And most people were pushing back. Like, you just hate Lagoon. You're trying to bring down the resale value of our boats. They were worried that the value of their boats would go down, which is, in hindsight, actually not true at all. Nobody seems to care that Lagoon's have broken bulkheads and the price of them are staying exactly the same and people are buying broken ones. So that didn't even happen, but people were worried about that. So they pushed back and fought and fought. So we started tracking. There was a few of us that started tracking photos, damages, years, um, what, what like the life of the boat and what it went through. And um, because a lot of people were saying, Oh, well you, you must've uh, ran into ground or you must've damaged your own boat. So long story short, it ended up being hundreds and hundreds of these boats that have this issue. And on top of that, even the ones that aren't showing the issue yet, showing or the bulkheads aren't broken yet, Lagoon is telling everybody to reinforce and fix them now. So it's clearly a design issue. It's clearly a design flaw. They don't want to admit it. But yeah, it's, it's just something that everybody definitely has to repair. There's nobody that's going to buy a lagoon or keep a lagoon without doing some sort of repair to their boat. Yeah, that's really interesting, eh? And uh, at least that, you know, lagoons acknowledge the problem and given some kind of solutions or suggestions for it. But uh, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing about... And and also really curious about the other owners first being like, no, there's nothing wrong with my. Oh, phone. there were Shut so up. many people that yeah, <laughs> there were so many people that were pushing back and just just flaming Colin and just it was getting pretty vicious online. I mean, they were just the comments and the the communications were just crazy. People just you know the the damage that happens on these boats causes somewhere around eighty to a hundred and thirty thousand dollars worth of repairs that need to be done. If you're going to drop it off to a, a someone to fix your boat, it's going to cost somewhere around 75 to 130. So I, I can understand, you know, imagine if overnight, because of one thing somebody says, you lose a hundred grand, it's crazy. And that's kind of what happened. And people were just in denial. They didn't want to, a lot of people that were in denial actually came around, of course, and actually most people because they realized, oh, it's definitely a problem, you know? So uh, at first, all of all of the owners were kind of together in unison. And then Lagoon came in and started like talking to each individual one and picking them and promising certain things and bringing them out of the group and making them sign non-disclosure agreements so that they would not be a part of it, taking down posts and things like that. I, I really wish they handled it a little bit differently. I wish they handled it by just doing a total re like a recall. You know, it makes sense to recall this and repair them. But for whatever reason, they handled it differently. And basically they helped each individual person, I would say as, as, uh, as little as they needed to in order to get them on their side. Something like that. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a bit of a PR nightmare for them, for sure. But of course, uh, you know, it's also not like a small cosmetic thing it's kind of an important part of the boat that you know it's it's a safety issue but what are some of the signs that you saw or other people saw you know without actually ripping the boat apart like how can you tell if your catamaran maybe has bulkhead issues sure yeah so the easiest way is to do a string line test so you're trying to see if the middle of your catamaran right down the center from fore to aft if that section has sunken down a little bit more than the sides. So the starboard and aft sides, you run a string along the back transom where most boats are flat, not all of them, but you find a place where it's flat and you run a line and you see how much the middle has dropped down. So in my boat, if I remember correctly, I think it was close to like an inch and a half or maybe not quite that far, but it was it was quite a bit. Uh, Collins around the same. And also in the salon, so in the middle of the boat, you're still running that horizontal line across and you can see it sinking. And then you're essentially looking for signs of the hulls separating outwards, but pivoting up on the deck. So if you imagine the hinge point up at the deck and then the very bottom of the keel, if those are moving away from each other, that's what ends up happening. And that happens because your rigging is pulling up on the sides of your hulls where, you know, where the, where the rigging and shrouds are attached. And as you tighten the rigging, And as the boat moves around, it just bends outwards ever so slightly and the rigging holds it there. And then the rigging technically isn't tight enough anymore. So then you have to tighten the rigging to lagoon spec. And then that's the new point. And then as your boat is a boat and moves around and sails, then it separates a little bit more. And then that just keeps on happening and happening over many years, like 10 years until um, what happens to Colin's boat happens, which is the entire bulkhead just cracks And then the boats go out like a huge amount to where no matter what kind of tightening you do on the shrouds, it's it's not enough uh, because now the shrouds are way, way too long. Yeah. And you show on your YouTube videos, there are some really good examples of how that actually can look. And and same for Colin's uh, YouTube channel, Parlay Revival. I've watched a few videos. It's like, oh, gosh. Excellent. Yeah. So I actually went to go visit a couple of friends' boats. Um, same 450, Lagoon 450, and we looked at just their damaged bulkheads. One was only a little damaged, and one was really, really badly damaged. And there's other things you can look for as well. You can look for buckling of the walls. So the walls kind of warp a little bit in certain areas. You can look for the doors uh, not aligning right or not closing right, kind of like in a regular house. You know, when the doors don't close, it's because your foundation has shifted. The problem with all of this is uh, prior to the bulkhead fiasco, Everybody just accepted all of these things on catamarans as it's normal. So if you were to ever post, hey, my doors don't really align or my boat feels a little bent, people would, everybody would tell you that's just a catamaran. It's normal. And the reason they would do that is because most catamarans do flex to some degree and especially lagoons, they would say, oh, that's normal on a lagoon 450. That's, it's supposed to be like that. It's because all of the bulkheads were broken and all the boats were flexing. And that's why your windows and your sliding doors never aligned. And that's why you know, the, the, the walls would buckle a little bit or you'd get cracking in the gel coat in certain areas. And that was just kind of like, that was just something you lived with. And then we finally figured out why it's because, you know, the boat was bending severely in most cases. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting and somewhat terrifying find. But do you know if this is a lagoon issue or lagoon for 50? Like, have you come across or do you know of any other lagoons that have similar issues? So it's primarily a lagoon for 50 issue. Um, and, and the repair or the fix is actually really easy. The bulkheads in the most uh, important place, it's um, in each hull. In, right in the forward cabins under where your mast is on the inboard side. So that wall right there, it just needs to be a little thicker. And we're talking like one extra piece of plywood. Uh, it's made with a 15 millimeter piece of plywood with a couple layers of fiberglass, which is almost no fiberglass on the sides. It just needed probably two pieces of 15 millimeter plywood and it probably would have never failed. But since we went in and we're repairing it and there's also other damage, we we ended up building it much stronger. Um, but to answer your question, the Lagoon 500s is just sticks in my mind because I've walked aboard two of them now that have massively broken bulkheads. There's a lot more uh, width, right, to these uh, 500s. They're much wider and they're much bigger just in general. And that means there's a lot more leverage. So when those bulkheads cracks a crack, it's like a massive, I remember like seeing a one inch gap running like three feet when uh, along that bulkhead wall. So those have broken really badly. There's lots of other catamaran models and also brands get broken bulkheads here and there. That's kind of just, it's normal damage that happens, not normal, but it's damage that definitely happens. But on the 450, it was definitely designed wrong and it needs to be repaired or has broken because of that. So one one lagoon that I really haven't seen any issues on is the 42. That seems to be, for whatever reason, the ratio and the way it was designed, it's it's fine. Like I haven't seen any bulkhead issues. The, the 40s or the 400s, some of them do, but the 500s, gosh, I mean, just the way that they would break that I've recently seen seem, seem worse than the 450s. I just don't know how many of them are broken. We haven't tracked any of that data. I can only tell you on the 450s, we've tracked hundreds of them. And then also uh, the ones out of the 1100, all of them need to be reinforced or repaired. Yeah, that's that's quite something. And you have done a really great job showing your process on your YouTube channel and it's uh, strangely entertaining to watch because I don't usually watch boat work videos but I really like your energy I don't know how you keep so upbeat and optimistic like I just watched one of your recent videos where you like have to drive hours to get more plywood because you cut something incorrectly and it you know it looks like all throughout it you're still like oh well we're just gonna do it like you know I don't think I would have picked up a camera I would have done like okay camera away and I'll come back to you explain that it was terrible and uh, that's it. Yeah, we, there's, uh, you know what? It, I could not have done this without being next to Parlay. Like that's like the first, that's like the first thing that you have to understand. I had somebody next to me that was, that's been sailing for three years on the same boat that I have. That's also a super yacht engineer for 12 years. So he was like chief engineer on super yachts. He has literally all of the experience that you could ever need or want. I have asked this guy thousands of questions, thousands, thousands, maybe 10,000 questions, literally the first week, the first few days. And if you ever get to chat with him, he'll be the first to tell you, like, that guy is weird. He would tell about me. He'd be like, that guy is so weird. Like he showed up and he asked me a thousand questions in like the first two days. And that's I I just that's kind of how I am. So with his knowledge, it was much easier. It's like bearable. 
But the work, it was so much more than I ever imagined. You're right. It was like devastating. You have to take your boat that you just spent your life savings on and then destroy the inside. I guess you could do it Parlay's way. They cut everything really carefully so they could reassemble the cabins. But with the amount of stress that I was under, I was away from the family. I knew I had to do this job fast. I thought I was going to be able to do it fast. I just destroyed my cabins like with sledgehammers and like karate kicks. I don't know karate, but I, I practiced it on my cabins and I just destroyed the cabins so I could get to the bulkheads. And I just made the decision. I will rebuild the cabins when I get home. So that's the kind of stuff that I, I made. I tried to make it fun because it wasn't fun. It was sad. It was, it was the dark times were dark. It's I'm away from everything that I know. It's hot. There's mosquitoes every day. And I have this gargantuan task ahead of me that I don't, I know how to do because of Colin, but I've never done before. And it's just, it's, I knew it was months and months of work. So what can you do? You said that the hardest part about fixing the boat was never about the bulkheads. It was the moments you had to take goodbye to your family. So can you explain what was the deal or arrangement you made with your wife? Because obviously you guys did not move on board in St. Martin where you bought the boat. Yeah, yeah. So Mary, my wife, is just this incredibly supportive person. Just it's crazy. I've always had insane ideas of things that I want to do. And mostly I never made happen. I'm great at coming up with ideas, but following through has always been my vice. So she's used to me coming up with crazy ideas, but this one was kind of hers, right? I was just helping make it happen. She's the one that was like, let's boat life instead of van life. So she was, it was never a question. It was never like, hey, you have to stay home with four kids because by this time we had four kids and work a full-time job and manage my mom who's going to live with us now so she can help with the kids. It was supposed to be for you know, four to six weeks, but it ended up being a year. Actually, it's still happening right now. But yeah, so she was, it was always just a matter of fact, like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're going to have to handle it. We're going to do what we have to do. For me, on the other hand, I'm not even talking about managing Mary. I'm talking about strictly in, from a selfish sense, it was difficult saying goodbye. Obviously, it was horrible for the kids there. I'm away from them and they don't have their dad and I'm not there to help Mary. But for just me individually, I'm going down to Panama, uh, Linton Bay in Panama in kind of like a little paradise to go hang out with the guys. Okay. This YouTube channel that I've been watching f forever. And I love all those guys on there. I mean, I feel like I know them and I'm going to go hang out with them and play. And we're going to go work on boats. I thought it was going to be the most like most fun thing ever. Right. I could just, I, all my responsibilities are taken care of because I'm fixing this boat. So I don't need to worry about kids. I don't have to worry about all the mundane day-to-day -day stuff. That's what I mean by it was never about the bulkheads. Like it was just a huge shift. Like turns out, I know I love the family, but like turns out I really, really like the family. I love my kids. I love being around my wife. You, you know, I, I knew that, but I'm just telling you, like it was it was mind blowing how much I cared. Like I learned and realized like this is what what life is all about is actually them. You know, I'm doing all this for them. I knew that, but I felt it finally. And I'm there by myself and they are the ones that can really like make me feel better. You know, at the end of the day, you have a hard day at work. You're used to coming home, sitting on the couch and hanging with the family. You take that completely for granted. But that turns out to be what helped me reset every day whenever I would go through stuff during the day, big or little, right? And then the next day I'm fresh and it was them, them being around, spending a little bit of time with them or a lot of bit of time with them. And that got taken away. And that's what was like, oh my gosh. And that's what made it really, really tough going through everything. And uh, yeah, so so Mary, super supportive. She's always been, she's never a complaint from her. 
But I will tell you before, like when we first started dating, her answer to every single one of my ideas or recommendations was no. So like, no matter what it would be, Hey, let's go, uh, let's go travel to this new place. No, 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 I don't want to. It's like, unless I was saying, Hey, let's go to a beach. It would be no. Or, Hey, what do you think about building a container house? We'll buy a container and we'll convert it, which we did, but we never built the house. It ended up being storage. And she'd be like, no, no. So it took us a good 10 years for me to like, kind of get through to her and say like, we need to say yes to things. We need to try new things. Like every good thing that's ever happened to me in my life has come from me just saying yes to doing things. And I think she really, it took her a while, but like she finally understood and she like, she lives by that now. So that's why like when it was come, when it came time, like, Hey, I'm going to be in Panama for a, a month to fix this boat. She was like, okay. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to be here for another extra couple of months. And then she was like, okay, that's fine. We just, we'll do what we have to do. And then of course, you know, the rest of the story. Yeah, exactly. And that's all on the YouTube channel as well. So I think it's lagging a little bit behind real time, but can you reveal, is there something to look forward to or the, you know, always the boat yeah, work is ending eventually, right? I, yes, the boat work is ending, which I think for some people it's sad because they really love watching boat work, but I promise we can make it exciting not doing boat work too. So I am really far behind in the videos. This is, this is like video editing is I just replied to a comment this morning saying, cause they were saying, Oh, I'm a pro video editor and I love your editing. And I was like, can you give me some tips on how to speed it up? Um, it's my first love. I love telling a story through video. I have such a sense of accomplishment after I'm done and I watch my video and I just feel so wonderful seeing, you know, it, it become alive, but it's also the bane of my existence. It takes me forever to edit videos. I am so slow. It just takes me so long. So um, we are a little bit behind. I am catching up and I'm learning how to get better and I'm trying to get some help editing videos. But uh, in the videos right now, we are starting to cut out the bulkheads. So like many first 10 videos were about destroying bulkheads. And then we took a break and went to the boat show and we toured some boats. But now we are starting to actually create the new bulkheads. And that's where you said you the last video where I was cutting wrong and then like one bad cut in the US, you cut once and measure once in the US and you screw up, you just go into Home Depot five minutes away. I do that like 10 times per job of or project. But in Panama, it's it's a five hour round trip to get to the city. And if you need something like big pieces of plywood, I have to make two trips to go rent a van and come back and return the van. So uh, a few months past where we are in, in uh, YouTube time, we actually do splash the boat we end up, uh, I was rushing to get that done because Parlay finished all their repairs. They go and party in San Blas for weeks. They meet Delos, uh, another huge sailing channel that I'm sure everybody knows. And then I missed out on that because I was working on my boat. I still remember sitting on Parlay and Collins like, you sure you don't want to come? You could take a break for a few weeks. And I'm like, no, I must finish. And, and I missed hanging out with Delos, but I did get to meet them later. Um, so then he's coming back and I'm rushing at this point, I'm rushing like day and night. I had brought the family down finally so they can kind of be there with us. And um, we fix the boat and get it in the water when Parlay comes back to Linton Bay. And then we both, he helps me, uh, Colin and Jamie, they help me kind of prep the boat and just do a sea trial and check the engines, all sorts of stuff needs repairing, just being on the hard after a year. And then we go to Bocas del Toro and have a massive, like an amazing passage. And that's actually happening, happening on Colin's videos right now. And um, yeah, we, we get to take the boat like in the water and 
we're we're sailing in like rough seas and tons of stuff goes wrong. It's crazy. Like we so many horrible things happen. But you'll you can watch the video. It's his video is coming out this Sunday, but I'm sure when you're listening to this, it's gonna already be out. Um, and then yeah, we spend time in Bocas del Toro. We do a regatta. I'm getting to cruise and like we with the family. My daughter throws up all over the place. My son apparently isn't seasick. Uh, Mary isn't seasick. I'll get back to that. There's an interesting story about Mary. And um, yeah, so then we come back. Parlay crosses the Panama Canal. I get that experience with them, and uh, I have to say goodbye to my friend finally. And they're uh, up the coast of Costa Rica now, and um, we parted ways. And I brought my boat. I need to bring it back to Linton Bay and um, start preparing on how we're going to get it back to Texas now. So yes, everything ends wonderfully, but we're a little behind on you. No, that is totally fine because you know it's so fun to follow along on the journey. And uh, thanks for giving that little sneak peek. It's great to know that, you know, after 11 months of work for you, that there is actually, you know, some sunshine and rainbows at the end of the long road. And uh, it's actually been really fun to watch the videos because I'm almost kind of learning about how boats look on the inside. Really cool to see what you are doing and how you're doing it. And yeah, it's been fun following along on the journey. So I look forward to seeing where this all goes. But of course, I guess at the center of this and you know, you bought a boat that you knew would require some work and you know some work turned into a lot of work so I'm wondering would you have any tips for anybody who's boat shopping and maybe thinking like yeah I could handle a little bit of a project boat okay wow this is it's such a loaded question because it's totally different depending on the different uh, approaches that you are trying to take to do boat life if you have lots of money and you're retiring because you have the money, no, you should buy a boat that's that's done so you don't have to do work. Because the truth is, even if you buy a boat that is blue water ready, that just came back from a circumnavigation and that they tell you is just ready and perfect, you will have to spend months getting it ready. That's just the bottom line. That is something that I refused to believe in the beginning, that there are just so, that's just so much boat work to be done, even when there's no boat work. Just keep that in mind. So if you have a year or two to burn, you know, we know people uh, like MJ Sailing, they're building a whole catamaran. They're like dedicating years and years of their life to building a catamaran that that's they're committed to that. If you have that time, yeah, it's and you don't mind doing board, you can learn it and you can figure it out and you can find someone that knows uh, what to do. But you just have to be sure you want to do that. I mean, it's investing your entire life into it. Like I invested day and night and the amount of stress you know, if the family was around, it might have been different. But with the family being so far away, and then I had to take trips back home every few weeks because my mom was like fed up with watching my kids. She was like, I committed to six weeks max. Like it's been six months, you know, so I would fly back once a month and stay for a few days to a, a week or two to give her a break. And if you're OK with all that, if that stuff is all taken care of and you just have time to sit at the boatyard and then drive home, maybe 15 minutes to go home every night, it's not too bad. But I can tell you, the beauty of this whole boat life is not in the boat work. And I kind of, I, I guess I kind of experienced everything reversed. I experienced the worst, absolute worst part of boat life, which is living on a boat that you are working on in a boat yard, so not in the water. It's hot. There's mosquitoes. It's just a disgusting place in general. It's probably the most disgusting place. It's poison everywhere, whether it's in the dust or in the chemicals in the paint, or just in the nails sticking up through the ground. It's a horrible place. 
So that's probably not the best place to start your boat life adventures, because if not for this like perfect series of events with Colin right there and Mary being supportive and and us starting a YouTube channel all together, I would have quit guaranteed. There's no question about it. I've walked away from projects that were much, much less stressful and we didn't with this one. Everything just worked out for us. So I'm, you know, incredibly grateful to like how everything worked out, but it's tough. It can be really, really tough. So just know what you're getting into. And that is a good answer. And I guess what was really interesting, I still keep going back to that second survey uh, that was done. So I guess, you know, if you're looking at a boat, do a little research and see if there are any known issues. And maybe I don't think it's a bad thing to mention to the surveyor, like, hey, I know I've seen online this boats, these kind of boats have these kind of issues. Can you make sure to look into that if it's something you don't want to get into yourself? Sure, sure, absolutely. But I would say what's more valuable for you than a surveyor, you're going to have to get a survey for insurance, but is is to find somebody that has that boat and to find a way to get them to help you look at that boat, whether it's you fly them out, spend $1,000 and fly them out and look at that boat. In, in 15 minutes, they will be able to tell you everything you could ever need to know about the damages to that boat and the boat work repaired or the work repaired to fix it. They can do that. Like if you got me on a Lagoon 450, I can tell you everything. I Even if I didn't try, I closed my eyes, I could just, I would be able to know what's going on, how much time it's going to take and how much money. But I can only do a Lagoon 450. I can't do any other boat. So same thing with other people that own different monohulls or different catamarans. They can get on and they'll tell you everything you could know uh, versus a surveyor. That's actually a really good point and a really good tip, especially if you're buying a boat somewhere, you know, in a big boating area, Florida or somewhere, people aren't that far away. It's likely that you'll find someone who knows a little bit more than you do. So that's a great tip for sure. But it sounds like there are some pretty epic adventures coming for you, uh, both in real time, but also for us on YouTube. So where can we follow the journey online? Yeah. So if you go to YouTube, our screen, I don't even know exactly what my name is. It's like David J. She, maybe YouTube slash. But if you just go on YouTube and you search Broken Bulkheads or you search David She, and my last name is S-H-I-H, you search David She, it's going to come up. Before when I searched David She, it was this weird actor in L.A., and now, if you search David Shee on YouTube, I actually show up on the first page somewhere. Maybe not the first one, but somewhere. And then, of course, it's Colin because he, Broken Bulkheads, of course, shows Colin. But yeah, we're, we have so much crazy stuff going on. It's like, finally, because of this boat life thing, we're like saying yes, just kind of like putting ourselves out there for things to happen and do things. And um, right now, we're on a U.S. kind of road trip. Uh, we started in Texas. Uh, we went to the Palm Beach Boat Show. We went up to North Carolina to meet with a life raft uh, company. So we're kind of like meeting with all of our sponsors or hope, hope to be sponsors because uh, we realized if we can get sponsorships, then we can kind of extend or reduce the money that we have to spend on our boat. And maybe Mary can quit her job. That's the ultimate goal for her to quit sooner than later. And then we can start boat lifing, like real boat life cruising. Yeah. So we, we went to North Carolina, met with Lifecraft. Uh, we went to Reno, met with Battleborn Batteries. They're epic. We we met with uh, Nautical Ventures. We got a dinghy, a Highfield dinghy. Uh, so everything is kind of all coming together, but it's just more than I ever expected. I'm so grateful for all this opportunity, but it's it's like so much. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to handle it all because there's editing, there's filming, um, there's like ideas that I have like. In San Francisco, we took the dinghy under the Golden Gate Bridge. And then like, I have to edit that video at some point. But like, I know there's no chance I'm gonna have time to do that. So I don't know what I'm doing right now. It's kind of all a mess. 
but I've been trained well because of the bulkheads and I've learned to just kind of sit back and just slowly go at it, even if it's not going to be perfect, which it's not. Absolutely. And I think, look, the biggest takeaway for me is you are out there doing things with your family. You are not at home thinking about it, dreaming about it. You're in it, you're doing it. So that is fantastic. So David, thank you for sharing your story with us today and uh, what our story was indeed. Thank you. No, thank you. I really love talking about it all. So uh, it was a pleasure for me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a little less sailing oriented than usual, but as we know, boat work is definitely part of the liveaboard life. I really liked David's attitude about life and boat work, and I hope that I will be able to stay as positive and energetic as David when I get bogged down with boat work. As always, thank you for listening. Next week will be the last episode of the season and before a bit of a creative break. So stay tuned for the next episode and don't forget that you can come say hi on Instagram or Facebook or shoot me an email at hello at liverboardsailingpodcast.com. If you have guest ideas for the next season, I would absolutely love to hear them. Bye for now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.